The Business on RT Radio 1 with AIB. We know that your focus is on your business. That's why ours is on supporting you. Finally this morning, let's step away from the frantic world of social media to something of a gentler pace on this long bank holiday weekend. We have St. Bridget to thank for the extra day off, for some, if you're getting it. When we think of her, we often think of cloaks, but mostly crosses, beautiful symbols of spring woven from rushes. But what are they like to work with? Our reporter, she from Mulqueen, has been meeting some business people who revel in reeds, rushes and willows. This is my willow harvesting hook and I'm just splicing up a willow. At this time of the year, before harvesting, it certainly would seem as if it were kind of dancing in the wind, swaying back and forth. Life was a willow and it bent right through your wind. Joe Hogan is a master basket maker based in Connemara in County Galway. He has been in the business for nearly 50 years. Log baskets, turf baskets, a lot of cradles. That day is gone, but but now I spend most of my time making what I call artistic baskets. They're often inspired by nature. Then there are some special techniques. I'd use one quite a bit called lobster pot weave. Traditionally, fishermen made their own lobster pots from what's called black sally or wild willow. And the reason they used that particular willow was that it would last longer in the seawater. You have to impose your will on the willow. So it is probably fairly physical basket making. If I'm making a functional basket, I usually sit very low to the floor. So I do a bit of yoga every morning. Willow weed for me, bend your branches green along the stream that runs the sea. Would you feel like you get kind of lost doing it? Yeah. People talk about it as working with your hands, but of course, when you work with your hands, you're also working with your head and hopefully with your heart. It's a very um, meditative. You get into a good flow with it. My house has turned into a St. Bridget's Cross factory (laughs) over the past week. I have, I'd say, maybe about 200 Bridget's Crosses. Singer, dancer and farmer Edwina Guckian. Edwina does straw-making workshops in Leitrim to keep the tradition alive. The straw has a real rustle when you're working with it, and it's really crisp. But for the rushes, they're quite silent, gentle green rods that grow in bunches. But when you're picking them in the field, there's a very specific sound. It's very like, you know, when you hear cattle munching in the fields in summer, um, that lovely sound, it's the same. Just that slight little crunch or snap as you pull them away. And we leave them on our doorstep. And then the next morning, St. Bridget's Day, myself and my family deliver them to all the houses in our neighbourhood, our families. And then we'll be preparing the soil for the next few weeks in preparation for sowing the oat seed. Straw traditions like mummering and the biddy boys were part of Edwina's childhood. So the straw hats, they're not ones that sit on your head. They come down as far as your shoulders. And when they entered your house, it was like a whirlwind of absolute madness, like you'd just fallen into a scene from a old Dal book. Um, they were just dressed up in all sorts. You'd have people with their clothes on back to front and inside out, men dressed up as women and women as men, dresses with really hairy legs, <laughs> straw hats and tea towels and neck curtains. And then off they'd go after they'd perform in your house. We were never told who they were, but one particular player playing the fiddle did always wear the same boots that my granddad wore and had the same crouched over fingers playing on the strings across the fiddle. St. Bridget's, you know, long red hair with this fantastic cloak and this cloak often described as being made out of rushes. 
historian Dr Nikki Carter. She was literally the first Irish businesswoman, a trailblazer and an entrepreneur. They think that it was about 15,000 women she had working for her. And you know, they were nurses, midwives, she was a brewer, she made ale. She was apparently very fond of sheep. She was an excellent shepherdess. Rushes and reeds were once a lucrative business in Ireland. Late 1800s, early 1900s, up until the 1940s, 1950s. Mainly women who were married to farm labourers used to come up with some way of supplementing that income. They actually were making more money than their husbands. And a lot of these cottage industries, they were taught by old women and sold at fairs. They would have been making butterfly catchers for children. Baskets were used often to hide putching up the hills away from the authorities. There were straw schools and factories all over Britain and Ireland, mainly hats, and they were often holding the straw in their teeth as they braided it. So that meant that the sulphur could have caused tooth decay. They were being exported to places like Brazil, to the West Indies. Sophie Surge came over to Ireland. She was Quaker. She was appalled by the poverty. So she decided the one way to help the poverty was to create a, a basket weaving industry. When Queen Victoria came to Ireland, she was given a shamrock chair that was made in letter frack. She put in an order for a few more, which were to be transported to Windsor. So who knows, maybe King Charles III is placing his posterior on a chair made in letter frack. The metric of, of a good tight thatch is you should be able to support your own body weight just hanging on to the straw. So if you slip off the ladder, just hang on tight. Founder of the handmade soap company Donna Quigley was a thatcher in a past life. You just have a direct connection with your hands from the soil that the straw grew up with. The fragrance seems to ebb and flow with the seasons. Particularly when the wheat has just been harvested, you really get that fresh cut hay. But then as you move into winter, it does get a bit damper and a bit danker. It does become like a wet dog. I used to have a red and white setter. She was called Daisy. She was absolutely beautiful. And when I was up on the roof, she'd go running around. And then in the wintertime, I didn't know if the straw was smelling like Daisy or Daisy was smelling like the straw. Some of these patch roofs you'd be working on might be 200 years old and occasionally you find some pretty cool stuff buried in them, you know. Lots of horseshoes, the old rat's nest that's in there. There's definitely creepy crawlies and rodents living up there for sure. I think the nicest thing I ever found was a twisted rope made in the shape of a heart just over the front door and it was buried in. And it, you could just imagine the people who put it there, you know, they've just started their new life in this newly thatched house and made this symbol to show their new life and their love. As you plaited the harvest bow, you implicated the mellowed silence in you, in wheat that does not rust, but brightens as it tightens twist by twist into a knowable corona, a throwaway love knot of straw. You know, when you pull that out, you just kind of go, oh, there's someone's life twisted into this. But what is it about working with this material that they really love? Edwina again. My dad always says the person who finds a way of selling rushes and leitrim will be a millionaire. <laughs> I don't know if there's money in rushes. Um, they're always seen as such a negative thing. Bad land is what people associate them with, but it's far from it. And if you sit down and actually watch what runs through those rushes and lives amongst them, you'd see how rich and valuable it is. 
pine marten. We have curlew that come and nest here. We have any amount of hares that run amongst them. Oh, rushes are home for me. She from O'Queen reporting there.